Hi, everyone. This is Michelle Gale, your host of the podcast, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I wanted to let everyone know that I'll be winding down recording any new podcasts for the foreseeable future. I've taken a full-time position as a chief of staff at a company called Autodesk and have decided to clear away some space to leave enough time for family, friends, and self-care. This was a hard decision because so much of my heart has gone into producing this podcast, but I'm sure it's the right decision for now. So thank you for sharing your time with me over the past couple of years. I'm wishing you continued blessings on your path of mindful parenting. Your practice and awakening is the greatest gift you will ever give to your children. So here's to waking up one messy moment at a time. Enjoy the last few podcasts. Welcome to the podcast, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I'm your host, Michelle Gale, and I am here today with a friend and colleague, Sean Fargo. Sean is a former Buddhist monk of two years. He's a certified instructor for the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, the mindfulness program born at Google. We both share that in common, and certified integral coach from New Ventures West. We share that in common as well. <laughs> I blend a co- he blends a combination of depth and practicality to his mindfulness and meditation teachings. Sean started the Mindfulness Exercises. It's mindfulnessexercises.com with the aim of helping 100 million people live with more understanding, love, and compassion for themselves and for others. He currently runs an online mindfulness teacher certification program, training people to teach mindfulness with integrity, confidence, and certified credibility. Some of the specialties he focuses on in his work is stress reduction, chronic pain, anxiety and depression, corporate culture. Deshaun's doing a lot of wonderful work in the world, and I'm so happy to share him with you. Welcome, Sean. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, really nice to have you. And we were trying to figure out what are what do we want to talk about on the podcast? <laughs> and we came up with this idea of um, focusing on emotional regulation and supporting a partner. I haven't done a lot on the podcast about partnership and supporting our partners. So, mm-hmm. and and you liked this idea. I'm mm-hmm. curious, like what where is the energy in this for you in this conversation for you personally? Yeah. Well, you know, I, um, you know, I've, I've dated quite a bit in my life, but I've married, uh, my beautiful, beautiful wife, uh, Casey. Uh, we got married, uh, a couple of years ago. And so I still feel like I'm in this honeymoon phase of partnership. Mm. Um, but, um, in my path to, Finding a partner, um, you know, I'm 40, just turned 41, and um, you know, there's so much um, misunderstanding, miscommunication, reactivity around relationships, and you know, and that can magnify when you're parenting. When if you're a husband or wife, um, this sort of level of reactivity can magnify when you're taking care of one or more kids, you know, and then there's pets and sports and all of everything else that goes on in life, that level of reactivity and stress can magnify and put a big strain on relationships. Mm. Uh, My wife and I are about to have a baby here pretty soon and start this path of uh, parenting and hopefully mindful parenting. I don't think Um, you could not do mindful parenting. (laughs) 
that's an option for you. Yeah, you know, it tends to permeate uh, more and more areas of, of my life, uh, thankfully. Um, but uh, yeah, and so, you know, it's my mission, my intention as a soon-to-be papa to, you know, to be a mindful parent, but also to be a mindful spouse and be a mindful husband. And I know my wife feels the same way about wanting to be an example of mindfulness for our child and to, um, you know, keep our relationship strong. You know, we can be mindful um, around our child. We can be mindful uh, with our spouse. And so this is an area that's, um, yeah, bringing a lot more um, uh, building up in my consciousness of, wanting to be mindful as a spouse, uh, wanting to support my partner. You know, my wife is pregnant right now and that's, um, you know, it's been, there's been some ups and downs with that. There's, um, a lot of difficulty that can come around with pregnancy and, um, and then you never know what's going to happen with postpartum depression or whether the child is going to be healthy or not. But, um, but you know, um, sustaining a mindfulness practice, building a mindfulness practice can help us to navigate these challenges and stressors with a little bit more ease, a little bit more self-compassion, keep the relationship strong, and, you know, just do our best. So this is why it's sort of the main, or one of the main focuses that I have right now um, to help my wife and, and us navigate these, you know, these joys and also the, the difficulties that come along with this. Mm, how have you, um, you know, in your life and practice and work that you've done, um, learned to manage your own emotions and mm. also um, to support others in doing that? What has been your path to that and practices that you've used or um, mm -hmm. teachers you've worked with? I'm just curious to hear your journey around your own emotional regulation, because I know it's been quite a, <laughs> definitely a path for me, I've, I've shared on the podcast before, I definitely grew up in a house where there was plenty of yelling and anxiety and force <laughs> and, you know, all those things. And I was, I was fairly reactive um, in my younger, my younger self and, and even early on in parenting, um, I, you know, definitely yelled more than I wanted to and got angry, you know, in, in ways I, that surprised me. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really a path for me to get to the place where I am now, you know, where mm -hmm. I've been for the last, you know, five or seven years. It's mm -hmm. been a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's a lifelong journey, too. It's, you know, emotions, um, you know, we're not going to get rid of them. And, you know, and, and they're not necessarily bad. They're just what comes up. But with my journey, I... Um, you know, in my childhood, I tended to avoid my emotions or kind of bottle them up and, and disengage from them and disengage from uh, life. You know, I would uh, distract myself or rationalize things without actually feeling them. Mm. Um, and that goes for both the, the highest joys and also the, you know, the deepest sorrows. Anything on either end of the spectrum, I was a little bit avoidant of them. Um, I think there are some feelings of unworthiness for the joy and then just fear of the anger and sadness. And so, um, you know, it, it was really when I moved to Asia, 
I was doing business in Thailand and China, just exporting furniture and jewelry and stuff to the United States. But um, I stumbled across some Buddhist masters and Taoist masters, people who had been meditating for a long time, practicing different kinds of mindfulness techniques. And um, basically they, they taught me how to kind of turn towards the emotions and face them, you know, acknowledge them feel them. Um, and when I say feel them, I mean that quite literally by sensing into them in the body, like noticing what um, happiness feels like in the head and the chest around the heart and the belly. What does a sense of peace or relaxation feel like physically, like viscerally in the body? What does fear feel like? What does anger or sadness or annoyance or grief or you know the whole range of emotions what does that feel like and can you turn towards them in the body can you be with them like allowing them uh, to be there without judging them because in my experience i would i was you know there's a lot of judgments i was filled with um, judgments that the unpleasant ones were bad or wrong and that the pleasant ones were like amazing and it's all of who I am in that moment. And there was a lot of um, judgment around all of the emotions that I experienced. And so, um, but when I started to learn how to just face them and turn towards them in the body and allow them to be there and kind of withhold that judgment of right or wrong, good or bad, and actually just be with them without that overlay of deeming them a certain way. Um, it helped me to accept and allow these emotions more and more into my daily life. Um, and, and kind of like acknowledge uh, the reactivity that, that, that I would have during stressful situations of avoidance or you know, there's the fight, flight, or freeze reflexes of the amygdala yeah. when we feel triggered, um, you know, and so I would tend to avoid or freeze. And so, you know, I would just kind of open up to those reactive patterns that I would have and actually start to engage with life, engage with the emotions themselves rather than trying to flee from them without trying to judge them. Um, and just kind of turn towards them with that gentle awareness, kind of like holding the emotion with a very soft hand, kind of saying, oh, yes, I see you. Like, you're here. Um, I, can, uh, I can see you, and I can be with you. And you can get more intense if you want to. You can go away if you want to, but I'm not going to force it either way. I'm just going to kind of bear witness and sense into it maybe soften around it a little bit. And so the more I practice that, the more I, um, the more these sort of reactive patterns of, um, uh, of avoidance and um, disengagement, they would take less hold. Now it kind of soften into experience with more care, mm. more gentle heart. And that would just help me to, um, um, yeah, just engage with life more. Um, so, um, and so, you know, for, 
for my students around mindfulness, I just encourage them to sense in the body, tune into what they're feeling, not judge it, stay with it, and um, breathe into it, soften around it. And that usually gives you more space and freedom uh, to be able to choose uh, an appropriate response for how to navigate that difficult period. Yeah, and I think for so many, that is so counterintuitive, you know, to turn toward emotions. Because like you were kind of saying in the beginning, you know, most of us distract, you know, like, oh, you know, I feel frustrated or sad so I'll eat or I'll you know have a glass of wine or you know whatever that might be you know whatever the shop go shopping you know whatever that chosen so I think part of this is in creating new habits too right because because it's hard to turn towards emotions it's it's really hard and yeah it's counterintuitive it's almost like a paradox where it's like you know I taught um, uh, people mindfulness who have they have chronic pain. Um, you know, for a couple of years, uh, I was um, teaching um, people to turn towards their pain, to turn like their physical pain, much less emotions, but like to turn towards the unpleasant with mindfulness and. Um, it's like, well, why would I want to be aware of something that I'm trying to get rid of? Yeah. Um, why do I? Why would I want to be mindful of something that I don't like and that shouldn't be here? Um, you know, it's very counterintuitive. Um, but you know, there's that saying, that old adage that what you resist persists. Mm. And if we avoid our pain, if we avoid our suffering, if we avoid our stress or anxiety or depression, it will persist and usually it will get stronger. Um, And so counterintuitively, if we just gradually move towards it with baby steps, uh, bit by bit over time, um, just kind of tuning into it a little bit more, a little bit more, almost like we're peeking around the corner at it in the beginning, just kind of acknowledging that it's there um, and kind of moving towards it bit by bit over time. Um, We shine light on it. We shine light on these shadows and um, uh, we, we build an understanding of what it is that um, we're deeming to be bad or wrong. Um, And when we start facing it and when we learn how to be with it, it takes less hold over us because we can learn that it's not as overwhelming as we actually feared it might be. Um, We can learn how to be with it. And um, that builds a sense of strength and confidence when we can um, face our stress, face our depression, face our worry um, in the body. Like if we can sense into the physical sensations, stay with them moment to moment to moment without judging them, uh, builds a great deal of confidence and strength that we can handle just about anything that comes our way. Um, and it's that, uh, that fear of being with what we don't like that actually takes a hold of us 
and leads us to those distractions you mentioned, leads us to um, some sort of coping mechanism um, that will help us get through our day or that we think will help us get through our day. But but oftentimes it just kind of compounds the the challenges that we face because, you know, you know, if we over shop or overindulge in Netflix or drink too many glasses of wine, or um, if we never learn how to be with our suffering, um, um, then what we resist persists. Um, but when we face it with that, when we cast the spotlight of that non-judgmental awareness onto the unpleasant sensations themselves, they have a tendency of alleviating, of dissipating, of transforming into a place of ease or a sense of tranquility. Um, uh, we can have great insights um, and realizations as a result of facing uh, the darkness or the shadows or the things that we, um, the, the places that scare us. Mm. Um, you know, when we can enter into that realm with that with without judgment then the the suffering tends to um, process it tends to ease the emotions change and we tend to find strength and confidence and uh and sense of peace yeah yeah and you're making me think of you know in my own relationship because we're talking about supporting a partner um and this is something i want to have on the podcast at some point i want to have a conversation with my husband um, as many years ago, you know, he really could not be with sadness or depression or, um, he really turned away and looked away. And I had gone through a, a really rough time like five years ago. And, um, and he just ignored me. Like I, I did not take it personally. I knew he loved me, but of course I was still hurt and scared, uh, because I didn't have a partner, you know, who could stand in that kind of fire with me. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it was very disorienting for me because I was in kind of one of my darkest moments and, um, mm. and didn't have support. And so he, um, you know, it really spawned, you know, my request of him to be able to do that, right? Mm. And, and I did it in the most loving way. I mean, I didn't tell him he had to. I just said, this is important for our relationship and for me and for this marriage if it's going to last you know, in, in our lifetime, because stuff's mm-hmm. going to go wrong, right? Things go, people die, people get sick, you know, mm-hmm. life is stressful, right? There's stressors that come at <laughs> us. And, um, and so he did, you know, he really went forward and he went through the mankind project and he's been sitting in circle and he's done work in uh, prisons through the inside circle foundation. And so you know, when we talk about emotional regulation, we often think about people that are stressed out, freaking out, yelling, right? But it's also kind of what you pointed to earlier, which is, um, you know, just not being, just turning away, mm-hmm. right? Just turning mm-hmm. away from emotion, which is what my husband did. And and after all this time, he really can be with me, you know, even when stuff's falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can, with also with our children. So, um you know, the value of what you're speaking to is so enormous in our relationships. And I'm just curious, you know, what you'd be willing to share of your own path, you know, either in the past or in your current marriage, 
um, you know, how this, this work that you've done on yourself has Mm. supported, supported how you can support a partner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that about your husband. I, I think that's very common for, for men to be conflict avoidant and to fear, um, that level of intimacy, that emotional intimacy with a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, you know, um, indicative of the level of intimacy that we can be with ourselves. Um, and, um, you know, certainly, you know, in, in my relationship with my wife, Casey, you know, in the beginning, you know, you know, we were falling in love and getting closer and closer. And that level of intimacy was growing to a point that I had never experienced with a partner before. And, um, and it was scary Mm. because, you know, she is this dynamic, heartfelt, spunky woman and she, uh, cannot bottle things up. She cannot avoid things. She faces them you know, and in the beginning for me, uh, if it was like emotional, then it was scary because she would bring up things that I did, that I wasn't used to hearing or used to being with in a, in a relationship, um, you know, talk about fears or sadness or, um, jealousy or, you know, all the different emotions that can come up that can seem unpleasant. Um, here I was, um, in this level of intimacy with her. And, um, it was almost like she was bringing forward everything I was kind of scared about, you know, and I was a monk for more than two years, but there's ways of like navigating around the sticky stuff. (laughs) I could kind of choose what I wanted to cultivate, you know, and it was a beautiful time and I learned a lot, but, um, there's not a lot of like relational intimacy that you have as a hermit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing not. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a great bumper sticker. But, uh-huh. um, but yeah, it's um, so relationships can really um, uh, lead you into this territory of uh, intimacy that um, you wouldn't otherwise do with yourself. And so, you know, and so with my wife, um, you know, in the, I remember like getting so triggered a couple times that I just wanted to flee, mm. you know, and I don't mean leave the relationship, but like, just kind of like, get me out of here. Like I need to go find a football game to watch, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. or, you know, or, or get me, you know, a bro and let's just talk about, you know, manly stuff or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I wanted to flee and it took everything I had to just stay there. And, um, you know, you use that term sitting in the fire, you know, that you needed him to sit in that fire with you and to, to be with you. And if only just to like, you know, uh, attend to you or befriend you during that time, not that he needed to fix anything, but just kind of navigate that time, um, with you from a, um, just a place of care and support. Um, but when my wife would bring up these, 
you know, intense emotions and these feelings. Um, it took everything I had to just be there, to just stay there. And, and, I, and so I would just sit in the fire with her and literally, you know, I would just kind of sit there with her and, um, and be with it. And, you know, I didn't, um, feel like I had to offer a lot of wisdom or support or guidance, but I, it took everything I had just to just sit there and be with it and feel that intensity. And again, like if you can, you know, if I could just sit there and be with it and, um, feel into it, um, then it would transform and uh, the intensity would go away with time because everything changes and it would uh, dissipate. And then I would come out the other side after the fire was so intense and it would start cooling down and I was still there. I'm like, wow, like I've never sat through that intensity before with someone without fleeing. Like, wow, that was a huge step for me. Um, and then, um, and then I would find the space to, um, share how I felt and, and, and reciprocate that level of authentic, um, intimacy of just sharing how I feel about what's going on in a nonviolent way, you know, in a non-reactive way, but just share like, wow, that was intense for me. Like, you know, I was feeling scared. Yeah. And um, just to reciprocate that level of intimacy, not feel like I had to fix anything on her end or do anything, but just to be there with her and acknowledge what was happening within me, acknowledging what was happening with her, just being there, being still, not needing to do anything, but just being there and like sitting with them. And that feels like such an important important piece of it, you know, not needing to do anything. Cause, um, you know, I think often, you know, men and women, you know, I think men kind of get saddled on men a little <laughs> bit more that they have to solve the problem, but I yeah. think women do the same thing too. Um, and, and I think that that's such a big gift, you know, in this, you know, supporting our partners through any kind of emotional dysregulation is mm-hmm. being able to be with them just as they are and not try to do anything or change anything, but just having this willingness to be there that you're, that you're pointing to and, and that that is where mindfulness does some of its best work you know, in a relationship and yeah. be able to stay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, mindfulness is not about knowing anything or doing anything per se. It's just about being with our experience without judgment. Yeah. It's very, 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 very simple. Not always easy, no. but it's very simple. There's no mystery to this. There's no, you know, secret formula that only, you know, 7.2% of the population are born with. It's just something that we can all um, practice, you know, and to practice with the easier stuff to kind of build that muscle, you know, maybe practicing being with um, mild annoyance mild frustrations, mild form of sadness, and just kind of working your way up to more of the intense stuff. Um, But yeah, you know, um, with our partners, you know, 
most of the time they don't want to be fixed or anything. They just want to be loved, you know? Um, and uh, some people kind of define love or kind of break down love in sort of five um, uh, facets. And those are attention, affection, appreciation, allowance, and acceptance. And so, you know, if my wife is going through some difficult times, I'll go through those five A's and see, um, you know, can I attend to her in a way that feels appropriate? Can I find something to appreciate about what she's doing or who, what, who she is, what she's done, what, what she says, how she is? Can I find something to appreciate? Um, can I offer some affection? You know, whether it's a hug, which I love 20 second smile hugs, by the way, where we hug for 20 seconds and we smile the whole time. <laughs> but can we offer, can I offer her a hug or a kiss or um, some form of affection, usually physical? Um, can I up my allowance of um, what she wants to do or what she needs? You know, does she need to... Um, uh, just take a break and find some solo time or can I just offer her allowance to, to trust her to do what she feels like she needs to do. Um, and usually she makes like great decisions. So it's kind of easy, but, but can, <laughs> I, can I up my allowance? Um, and then can I offer some acceptance for what she's going through and who she is? Um, knowing that life is difficult. Um, you know, we all handle things a little bit differently. Um, everyone has a different experience with different challenges. Um, so can I accept, you know, her, that she's doing her best um, and that she's, you know, beautiful. She's lovely. And can I just, you know, tune into that? So I always look at the five A's, acceptance, um, appreciation, allowance, affection, and attention. And usually I'll go through and I, I choose one of them that I think that I could really step up that I, maybe I haven't been doing as much lately and just tend to that and um, makes me feel better, makes her feel better usually. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just kind of a nice framework that I run through to see how I can support my partner during oh, difficult times. I love that. And I bet people can find it on mindfulnessexercises.com. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you, gener you, you generously offered to put together some downloads um, for all of our parents. Um, and we'll link to that in the show notes so that um, put together some things that you already have on your, on your website that support parents. Yeah. And we're grateful grateful for that oh absolutely yeah, yeah. It's, and it's all free you know for all the listeners here um you know invite you to go to the show notes click that link and i just want to offer you some free resources um so that you can you know be a mindful mama be a mindful papa and um um you know help your kids and be an example of mindfulness for them and um, live with more ease Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Sean. Any, cool. any final 
final words of inspiration that you'd like to share before we wrap up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess just one thing I'd like to share, which would be, um, uh, you know, as, as uh, parents, we're so used to um, tending to others. Um, I, I just wish for everyone listening to just, you know, see how you can take care of yourself as well. Mm. Um, and it's not about um, uh, feeling better or worse than other people. It's just about, you know, offering yourself a simple sense of care, um, inviting a sense of, of care and warmth and ease and safety um, into your awareness, you know, put your uh, oxygen mask on first so that you can help others uh, even better and just find moments of the day where you can feel that sense of tender care for yourself. And if you feel some resistance around it, um, then I encourage you to explore some work around self-compassion. You know, there's a lot of self-compassion resources on my website, but there's also selfcompassion.org with a lot of free resources as well but um, in order to help our families and our spouses and our kids we also have to learn to tend to ourselves with that simple sense of care mm -hmm. and oftentimes that means self-compassion so just wishing that for everyone listening um, and uh, uh, um, yeah just remember that you are worthy of your own love mm -hmm. Thank you. That's a beautiful way to end. Thank you for being with us, Sean. Thank you, Michelle. It's really an honor to be here. Yeah. And we'll say goodbye to everyone <laughs> listening. May you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. Michelle's new book, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose, is now available at Amazon and at mindfulparentingbook.com. Get your copy today.